0: How many of you, uh, most of the time, you know the will of God? May I see your hand? All right. it's good. We're in trouble. <laughs> How many of you know when you're out of the will of God? Hello? Uh, for example, let's say that uh, you already don't have enough money coming in to meet your family budget, and it's not an exorbitant amount, and you decide to go buy a brand-new car which is going to raise your budgetary income by another $500 a month in the expense side and put you $800 a month in the negative every single month. How many of you believe that would not be the will of God? May I see your hand? But people do it every day. Not the will of God. Well, let me ask you another question. How about walking up to someone who... Uh, who really gives you a problem in traffic and you finally get at the stop sign or the red light and it's a pretty long light you get out of your car you go over near you open their door or you slam your fist try to through their window and slap them in the face how many realize that's not god's will okay that's good how many of you if someone did you that way you would slap them back how many how do you believe that would be god's will Well, now, I'd have to pray about that one. (laughs) You see, discerning God's will, we're going to deal with Saul slash Paul tonight in these few moments that we have. The Bible says that in eternal judgment, we're going to hear Jesus say in Luke 13, 27, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. In other words, depart from me, you trouble-rouser, Depart from me, you arrogant. Depart from me, you disobedient. Depart from me, you didn't care about the will of God. Depart from me, you lukewarm individual. You're a worker of iniquity. And knowing and doing the will of God, as some people think, is difficult, but it's not that difficult. Acts the 13th chapter, verse 36, David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep. Does that mean that David did not have a failure? We know David did have a failure. We know that he did make a mistake. But it's the summation of his life, it served his own generation by the will of God. In other words, primarily in his life, the majority of the time he did what was right in the sight of God but even after he failed here's what he did he repented and God erased the sin that he committed he realized that is not the will of God it's important because I believe that those that walk in the will of God have God's best favor you know I heard someone say well that you know that was you you know how I feel about luck you know, that, that was luck, and uh, not if you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. You know, because the footsteps of a righteous person, right living person, as we heard this morning, they're ordered, directed by God. But you've got to be able to recognize the voice and the heart of God. And Satan often will lie to us, declaring us that the knowledge of knowing God's will in our lives is difficult, but that's not true. It 's not true based on this scripture, Psalms 119 105. Your word is a lamp to my what? My feet and a light for my what path. so, so I 've got, I've got a lamp and I 've got a light to be able to know how to walk. Well if you 've got a lamp that sheds light in how you walk, then it ought to be pretty easy to know uh, how to stay on the path. And that's what David the psalmist said. Psalms 40, verse number 8, I desire to do your will. Here it is. This is the catch. I desire to do your will. We all desire to do your will, God. We desire to do your will. God, I want to do your will. But then he says, oh my God, for your law is written within my heart. The precepts and the principles of this word is written in my heart. I've read the Bible so much, rightly divided the word of truth, that I know the difference as a child knows the difference between right and wrong. And I believe that we can know the will of God. Often we wrestle with timing. You know, well, is it time yet? Timing is important. Well, I can tell you that God can reveal to you the perfect order of your life. And our story is about Saul, who was a man misguided, misdirected, Breathing threats out to the church, doing his will as we understand. But God intervened. So here it is. Number one, listen to the voice of God's urgings. God urging. Acts the ninth chapter verse four. He fell on the ground, heard a voice say to him, heard a voice say to him. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. If you're a professing follower of Jesus Christ, say amen. amen. If you're not, say Amen. Everybody's believers. Turn to your neighbors, I'm glad you're saved. <laughs> I kind of had my doubts, but now I know you're saved. <laughs> sure. Now, wouldn't you think if God redeemed you and me, if you and I are the righteousness of God in Christ that dwells in us, do you think God would play games with us and make his will be hard to discern? See, here's the challenge. We desire often in the Christian community the answer without working for the solution. You see see what I'm saying? We want it to be the drive-through. Just give me number three. I mean, you don't even have to say that that's a quarter pounder with cheese, with the fries, and a large drink. That's number three on the menu at McDonald's. I want a number three. I want a number one at Chick-fil-A. You know what a number one at Chick-fil-A? It's a, you know, don't you? Did I hear somebody say what it is over here? What is it? Chicken sandwich. There you go, medium frying jeep. Miss Chick-fil-A is right over there, friends. (laughs) This is a number one. We know number one. So we say, God, I want to know your will. I want a number four. God said, you don't even know what a number four is. God, I desire to do your will. I want a number four. But listen, you haven't taken the time to establish yourself in the maturation process to understand. What is a number four? Well, a number four is this. Discerning the will of God. You see, the Satan that we understand, roaming to and fro, will endeavor to shake us up, discourage us, trip us up, knock us off our game. Saul was traveling toward his will and his destiny and destruction. He was in the midst of his uh, life, and God interrupted him by speaking to his heart. And we know that God has the unique ability to speak to our hearts. Say amen. I shook hands with someone this morning, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. As I shook their hand and looked at their face, God spoke to my heart and said, They're not on game in their spirit, man. They've made a mistake, clear as a bell. If I shook your hand, don't get nervous unless you're guilty. Some of you are saying, Thank God I didn't shake your hand this morning clear as a bell. In that moment in time, people crowded around. The Holy Spirit spoke. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to talk to them. Say, hey, this is what God spoke to me about you. Here it is. His voice is quiet and still. How many of you know God is not a screamer? Oh, but can he scream? Amen, he can. First Kings 19, 12, the earthquake, the fire. But the Lord wasn't in it. But after that was that gentle whisper. Here's one of the ways. You see, God just gently speaks to us and says, in our heart and our mind, don't do that. Don't go there. But you know what? Human nature, if it really wants to do something, how many even know we will abort that gentle voice? We can make a case for anything that we want to do if we want to do it. Another, his voice is powerful. Psalms 29.4, the voice of the Lord is powerful, and the voice of the Lord is majestic. What does that mean? You can be moving along somewhere, you can be sitting in a service, and out of nowhere, you can be in your car, you can be in your office, and all of a sudden, you know, wow, that is God. It was powerful. It was big, God always speaks in positive terms, all right? I want you to understand that. God speaks in positive terms. He doesn't speak, you dirty little rat. He doesn't speak, you stupid fool. God speaks in positive terms. Why? Because He desires for us to live in a positive way, you know, in a positive way. If you do that, you're going to get burned. That's positive. You understand that voice is powerful. You say, I know that God spoke to me. His voice is known by the believer. Well, here you go. Lord, I desire to do your will. My law, Your law is written in my heart. Well, here it is. Well, then I know your voice. The believers know the voice. John 10, verse 4, when he was brought out all on his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because his sheep knows his voice. Talking about Jesus. They know his voice. How many of you ladies out there can recognize the voice and the scream of your child? May I see your hand? How many rather not hear the scream of your child? That's why you have those little audio systems you put in their bed where you can hear what they have to say and what's going on. You know his voice. So if we know his voice, if we're professing believers, if discerning his will is not hard to do, then here's a good question we might consider. Then why why aren't more faith-filled people following Jesus more closely? What what do you think that is? It's one word. Disobedience. Disobedience. Disobedience is the seed of rebellion. Everybody with me? The seed of rebellion And if a person has rebellion in their spirit, they are not going to be able to hear the voice of God. For example, tell little Susie, tell little Tammy, tell little Julio, listen, if I tell you to stop, you stop dead still. And you try that out, and when you tell little Susie, you tell little Tammy, you tell little Julio, stop, and they turn and stomp their foot and turn and take off anyway. How are you going to deal with little Susie, little Tammy, and little Julio? You're going to bring them close to you and say, Now, mommy said, stop. Daddy said, sweetheart, you little rebellious devil, you're so much like your daddy's family. When I. When I say stop, stop, let's say you try it again. When I say stop, you stop, okay? You tell little Tammy, Susie, and Julio, stop, okay, stop. They turn and look at you and take right on off. Now, why is that important? That's step two. Don't let there be a third step, okay? Just let me tell you right off the bat, don't get to step number three. Because you know what? If you're in traffic, traffic is coming, and you say stop, and they've not learned that you mean stop when you say stop. And they do what they did in practice and run in front of a car that could take their life What was the problem? Was it the car? Uh Uh-uh. It's because they chose not to listen and pay attention to the voice of the parental authority. And one of the things that we get into, often God says in his voice, stop. Or he says, be careful. Or he says, look out. And we look around and say, well, I don't see anything. And we go on. And then again, somewhere else, some other time some other season God says stop be careful don't move and we go on and the challenge is every time we do that we become disobedient to the only voice that really loves us and it's the voice of Almighty God and what happens is we get caught in a trap that we cannot get out of it says his sheep happen to know his voice how does God speak to us through his spirit that's what happened to me this morning. His Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. In Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, we often use this, as you heard me say before, when we talk about sinners. But this is written, John's writing this to Christians. He's saying to you Christians, to those of us, he said, I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear me, my voice, open the door, and I will come in and eat with you and you with me. In the words, listen, I'm knocking on the door. In other words, you through the Spirit, you hear God knocking and saying, be careful, don't go. Here's another, through His Word. For the Word is full of living power, sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into the innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. What we really are. How does it do? When it's preached, the Word of God is speaking to you. When it is read, the Word of God is speaking to you. And when it is recited, the Word of God is speaking to you. And we know today that in a culture that says, I want to have it my way, the culture says, boy, you can do this, this, and this. You can live together as long as you want to, and you don't have to get married. You just got to try the menu out, and then you'll see if it's okay. Then you get married. Hey, that's not God's will. It's not God's will. I can encourage you. You made a big business deal, and you lied about it. You lied about the product. Yeah, but man, I sold a bunch of them, and I tithed on it. That's not God's will. When you have right living in a righteous way, you do the right thing, and you listen to God. Here's another, through counsel of others. And here's a big pitfall for far too many in in the culture today, not just church culture. If we really want to do something, we seek counselors out, that often we know will agree with us. Hello? They'll agree with us. We don't seek counselors that have authority over us. We seek counselors that we know that will accommodate what it is that we want to do. So here it is, Proverbs eleven fourteen. 14, without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. So I want to seek counsel from those who have authority over me. I want to seek counsel that, well, I know you, Stephen, go there. I know what, I, somebody said that to me this week, two different people. Well, I, I just thought I'd ask you, I know what you're going to say. Well, pray, tell. Why are you asking if you already know? Through purposeful living. I don't want to live by accident. How about you? I don't want to live by accident. Ephesians 5.15, live life with a sense of responsibility. Somebody say amen. amen. With a sense of responsibility, not as those who do not know the meaning of life, but as those who do. A purposeful life. I want to live for God on purpose. Amen? I want to have a purposeful life with others. Saw heard the voice of the Lord, and his circumstances changed in a moment. What did he say? who art thou Lord who in the world are you Lord he heard the voice of God and here's what I believe we hear God's word but far too often in Christendom today we don't pay any attention because we don't like what we hear But for the man and the woman and the young person and the family that pays attention to what God says, your life will be far more meaningful and less cumbersome with trouble. Amen? If you just listen to God. Here's number two. Live as a spiritual instrument. A spiritual instrument. You and I owe our lives to one another. We are not an island unto ourselves. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. Notice now carefully, before Saul he was destroying churches, he was slaughtering Christians. That was his will. He did it on purpose. He did it on purpose. Slaughtering Christians destroying churches. That was his will. It was a wicked ambition. He was doing man's agenda. But now in this moment, he's about to follow God's will. And when you follow God's will, here's what happens. You become a spiritual instrument that gives hope and fellowship to others in the Christian community. Well, look at that person. It seems like they always know the right thing to do. You know, you look at Charlie and Amy Kay, and you look at their team. That was a big decision. We walked Charlie through that. Charlie, what are you going to do? How are you going to manage yourself? What's going to happen? i got to see God. i got to find out. We're with you, man. Pray and pray and pray and pray. We watched his life change during that, that tenuous time until he found out this is God. We talked to him about Tampa. We talked to him about Orlando. We told him, hey, you're about to make a decision that my friend is going to threaten you, is going to be a huge sacrifice. We didn't powder coat it to him and say, well, Charlie, God will just flood into your life. I mean, it's just kind of like a love offering. You all know what I'm talking about? I used, I used to preach in, in churches around, around the district. And said, oh, we want to give you a love offering. You know what happened? Most of the time it was a whole lot more love than it was offering. <laughs> That's not true of you, of course. But love won't pay the bills, Charlie. Amy, are you prepared to go back to work? I mean, you got you got three you have three kids. Do you know what it's going to cost for those three kids to be in daycare? Do you know how much you're going to have to earn to be able to do that? When I first was called into ministry and I sat down with my senior pastor and I said to him, I feel like I'm called to the ministry. I was a young man. He said, if I were you, I wouldn't do it. He must have known what my ministry would be like. If I were you, I wouldn't do it. You know what I wanted to do at that time? I was barely 18 years of age. I wanted to stand up and just slap the living daylights out. I delivered to you all your preaching, a young man in your church that feels called to the ministry. And what do you say, old man of God? If I were you, I wouldn't do it. What's wrong with you? Ask him later. Why in the world you say that? This was his rationale. He said, "I figured." If I couldn't discourage you by what I said and you had the will and the determination to go ahead, then you had a true call of God in your life. You see, understandably, we know what it means is God chose Saul, who became Paul, and every decision, the choice, will serve your interest if you're not careful. But God, I don't want to serve myself. I desire to serve you. God doesn't give two liver lips about some of your decisions. You know, like, what time are you going to get up in the morning? God said, figure it out for yourself. You go through Chick-fil-A, what should I order, God? God said, so you got a whole menu there. Figure it out. <laughs> Stay vegan. Some decisions, God, I think, should I kiss my wife or not kiss her? God said, you figure it out right before she slaps you if you don't. How many know some decisions? It's like it's your wife's birthday, and you decide, I think I'll just not acknowledge her birthday. God said, you figure that one out. If you don't, she will. Well, we don't do birthdays in our house. Some decisions, though, are eternal. Like direction for the future. Charlie said, I had to find out, boy. I had to grow up. I had to mature, Pastor. I got a wife. I got three kids who love to eat. And I'm going to chart a journey. You challenged me from Orlando to Tampa, locked me in at Tampa. Direction for God's future. Well, what direction do you have? And does it comply with God's Word? And in fact, does it demand a self-sacrifice? God directs us through His Word, Ephesians 5, 17. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the Master wants. Amen? Be sure you know what God wants as it relates to to eternity here's another Philippians 4 8 and 9 I'll tell you how to discern it here it is summing it all up friend I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds with and meditating on things that are true noble reputable and authentic compelling gracious the best not the worst the beautiful not the ugly things to praise not things to curse put into practice what you've learned from me Paul's writing and what you heard and saw and realized do that And God, who makes everything work together, will work in you His most excellent harmonies. You'll have peace in knowing that you're following the will of God. Being and doing the will of God is not a decision at a crossroad. Um, Being and doing the will of God is a lifestyle. Amen? It's a lifestyle. You don't have to tell me to go to church, it's my lifestyle. Amen. You don't have to tell me to read the Bible. It's my lifestyle. You know, mm, do I pray today? It's my lifestyle. Amen. Do I witness today? Mm, it's my lifestyle. Do I try to bring hope? It's my lifestyle. In the hospitality suite this morning, I have a gal that gives me a fit when I go through Dunkin' Donuts most mornings about I don't know uh 6 6:15. 6, I go through and here's what I order. Cuz I always get Sharon leave the house, go get her a cup of coffee and deliver it back to the house. Go in usually, put one Splenda and a little bit of half and half and say, here's your coffee. What a husband. (laughs) So when you go there every day, I say, here's what I want. May I take your order? I like a small coffee, black, hot, if you don't mind. She has known me long enough. She said, well, I don't think so. First time she did it, she said, I don't think so. I said back to her, I'm coming around there in a minute. You're going to be sorry if you don't order or get me what I want. Do you understand me? She said, bring it on. <laughs> well, every time I go through there, I invite her, hey, come to church. The other day I went through there. I said, I'd like a, I'd like a small, medium, Black hot coffee. She said, which is it going to be? Have you lost your mind? I said, give me a break. It's Monday morning. But through the process, you know what? Sooner or later, you're going to have to come to church. Don't let me be so old. I can't remember what you look like. Guess who showed up in the hospitality suite this morning? Guess who came to church today? Yeah. Now, how does that work? The will of God works through relationships. Amen? Works through relationships. And there it is, the power of God's work. Ephesians 6, 6, here it is. Work hard, but not just to please your masters when they're watching. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Now let me pause here just for a moment. The church should never make its decisions about faithfulness by what the culture does. Everybody with me? The church ought to be making its decisions not based on even Christian culture, but based on what the Bible says. Amen? And if we function by what the Bible says, churches will explode with evangelism, with missions giving, and with soul winning. It will literally explode as a matter of fact. So he says, work hard, not just to believe, oh God, are you watching? Watch what I do. Here it is. But as slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all of your heart. Proverbs 17, 24, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but fools start off in many direction. Have you ever said they're ditzy? They can't make up their mind. Hello? You ever been behind somebody in traffic? It was yesterday I was behind someone who did not know what street they wanted to turn on. It was double lines in the highway. I had a decision to make. I thought, God nobody's coming. The double lines are there. And Sharon is in the car. (laughs) They slowed down, didn't turn there. Slowed down again, didn't turn there. Shall I beat my horn up? Understand, I thought, Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. For Thou, O Lord, art high. Above all the earth, thou art exalted. I waited it out finally. Thank God after I prayed. They've turned just in time. You see, the point is this intelligent person aims at wise action and fools starts off in many direction and you never know what's gonna come here's number three be sure to glorify God look what the Lord has done look what the Lord has done look what he's done we give him praise at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God worship singers come on up here when we hear God's voice And we determine that it's of eternal value. Ask the question, is what I'm doing, will it glorify God? If nobody's looking or watching, will it glorify God? Does it honor, does it exalt me? No. Does it glorify God? In other words, in years later, will people be able to see less of you? And more of God in your life. Paul now is exalting the name of Jesus Christ. And he declares that Paul, that this man, he says, dies daily. Because Paul says both of us can't receive the glory. So I'm going to make decisions that brings glory to God. When you let the devil browbeat you? One of the individuals where their life was hanging on by a thread last week. This week they're in a safe zone. On Monday I text. Or they text me. And said, we just received the word that we need to prepare for the worst. They just received the word that it looks like they're not going to make it. And then put the little faces with tears and tears and tears. And I read that and I thought, now, I fired back. I said, who do you believe in? Who is your God? Do you receive that and that's the end? I said to him, lift up the name of Jesus. Go to her bed and speak life into her. And say to her, if you believe she can hear you or not, you are not going to die. You are going to make it. You might as well pull yourself together and trust Almighty God. We are not giving up. Thousands are praying for you. Now come on and learn to live. And my friend, when they did that two days later, guess what? She came out of that thing, took the oxygen off, took the heart breathing machine off her. And today I got a text with her smiling from ear to ear, sitting up in the bed. By the grace of God, what I'm talking about is learn to understand the power of God's glory. Paul did that to Timothy 1.9. It is he who saved us and chose us for a holy work, not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan. Sometimes in the will of God, the enemy will so browbeat you that you lose your positive voice. That, let me give you our talk, that ain't the will of God. The will of God is stay faithful. Make decisions that bring honor and glory to God. Trust him. Don't get weary in well-doing. Paul standing before Agrippa. Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. Psalms said, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. 1 John 2, 17, this world is fading away along with everything it craves. But if you do the will of God, you will live forever. That's God's promise. Would you stand? Let's put our hands together and let's just really thank God. Would you do that? Please?